Hey, everybody. This is the Steg Drew Show, and I'm your host, Drew Stegmeyer. This show is new, evolving, and finding itself. We don't yet know what it will turn out to be. And that's exciting. I believe the world has a current civility deficit. And with this endeavor, I'll be exploring tough and taboo topics with compassion and civility so you can do the same with your friends, family, and coworkers. Hey, folks, this was a hell of a conversation with my friend Hans, who is a certified Tantra, not Tantra, I thought it was Tantra, but it's Tantra, certified Tantra coach and educator, and we talk about sex. Sex is one of those topics that most people feel like they can't talk about, feel like they're not allowed to even ask about it, and I have a personal axe to grind because I think the world will genuinely be a better place if we can talk more openly about these things. So we dive in. We talk about how Hans became a Tantra educator. We talk some about bad relationships, some common threads or themes, this idea of let's get it over with sex. We talk a bit about religion, and we talk a bit about what people can do, healthy behaviors they can adapt, and... If you have any sort of sexual stigma or shame whatsoever, this one is for you. Oz writes a weekly newsletter that examines personal finance from a psychological lens. He covers mental models, alternative investing, and different ways to think about money. Reading Oz's newsletter will help you mine your money. Join his newsletter at ozchen.com. Again, that's my friend Oz's newsletter who was a former guest on the podcast. And Oz is one of the best damn thinkers that I know. Whether that came out in the episode or you find it on his website, he has serious wisdom. Don't knock it. Hello, Hans. Morning or afternoon. I don't know where you are. (laughs) I'm, uh, it's one o'clock here. So I guess you guys are at 10, right, in the Bay? We are, yep. Um, So to just dive in, I want to ask, I have your bio from your website, but I want to kind of hear it from you. How did you get into this work and what makes you excited about it? Wow. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think it happened a couple of years ago. Um, I'm trying to think what the good start is of the story, but I'm trying to make it too long, but um, there was... uh, I don't know, about six, seven years ago, there was this point where my wife came home with this story that she had just talked to a, a girlfriend of hers who uh, who is a lady who, you know, her husband passed away like, you know, multiple years before that. But she still talked about him like he was still there. And which, which by itself is kind of a sad story, but and then she told uh, my wife that um, she just had this amazing sex and orgasm, and this guy didn't even touch her. And of course, my wife was like, <laughs> "Okay, what the, you know what just happened there?" So she said, "Well, you know, he's a he's a tantric master." So I'm like, "So." Um, 
so my wife, you know, did a little bit of research and she found this, um, this weekend workshop and basically she asked me, so are you interested in going? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I just looked at it briefly. I'm like, okay, that sounds like an interesting topic to do a workshop on. So, so we did, I was, I was think a couple of weeks later, we went to, uh, uh, the uh, source, the the school of uh, the source school of Tantra Yoga, which is the official long name for it, or also known as Charles Muir, and um, he used to run these uh, these uh, intro weekends. I think he called them mostly meant for couples, although uh, they also made it work for single people who would show up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we went there. It started Friday afternoon. And um, was um, I think it was Saturday morning or something or Sunday morning it was Sunday morning, right? So after we'd done a basically a day and a half of this, she asked me, she says, uh, "Do you have your credit card on you?" And I'm like, yeah. So I thought she just wanted, you know, wanted to get something from the from the store because they had like, you know, banners mm-hmm. and CDs and books and shit and. She says, so what are you going to get? Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm signing us up for the teacher course. I'm like, <laughs> the oh, teacher wow. training. Right, right. And yeah, we did. And 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 so we we, we paid on this. She said, there's only two spots left and those are ours. So I'm like, okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's take those. So, so we did those. Those were, um, I think it was like four months later. Mm-hmm. So after about a uh, two months in, you know, I looked at my calendar like, okay, we got this thing coming up. And I mean, what is this all about? <laughs> what did right, we sign right, up for? Right. And and the website was a little, still is a little unclear about it. Um, so we talked to somebody who was assisting at the weekend, and somebody kind of close to our age who actually happened to live really close by. And we asked him, so what's, um, what's this all about? And he's like, well, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that filters anything. So I'm just going to tell you. And he just went, Brrr. and afterwards we're both looking at each other, my wife and I, I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> we sure we want to do this. Right, right. We did, yeah, we did. So, um, there was, it was it was very very interesting, very eye opening. Um, yeah, a lot of people. So the beginning of the uh, it was a ten day course, where you basically you're there and you're on site and you know you don't get to leave for ten days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really immersive, so to speak, and. Um, um, beginning they asked everybody okay so while you're here are you here just to you know become a certified tantra educator because that was the you know that's the title you could get after Mm -hmm. finishing the uh, the workshop or are you just here for you know to increase your own you know sexual pleasure Mm -hmm. and so we you know at the time we both said well we're just here for you know increase our sexual pleasure and Mm -hmm. um we're in a minority but okay um so we did this thing and after 10 days of it um there was a little uh at the end kind of a little uh, 
ceremony, you know, saying goodbye to the teacher and getting a certificate. And then, you know, so we all one by one went there and took pictures and, you know, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And at some point, one of the co-teachers asked my wife, um, so are you going to come back to level two? It starts in uh, in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And she and she said, I said, I'd rather put hot needles in my eyes. So the guy was like, okay, lady. <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay. So that's what happened. Um, but then a few days after we came home, we put to practice some of the things we had learned. And um, I had my first orgasm, as, as a man, I had my first orgasm uh, without ejaculation. And I remember when that happened, we kind of, I kind of looked around for evidence and like, did I miss something? Like, no, okay. So we can do that again, right? And do it again and again and again. I'm like, whoa, there's something to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the moment where we decided we wanted to go back to level two. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. Yeah. So we showed up there and that teacher who, you know, had that statement made about eyes being poked, he kind of looked at my wife like, you're back. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So we went to level two, we went to level three. Um, I think those are all the levels ahead at the time. Um, And um, yeah, so we've been doing this ever since. And um, so that was part of my journey, kind of, you know, my, my, my tantra journey, so to speak. Um, at the same time, um, this was back in 2017, um, I, um, I read a Facebook article about this guy, actually one of the guys I met through, you know, doing all these tantra trainings. Mm-hmm. And he always has these really long posts. I mean, he's retired. He retired when he was... 30 or something anyway mm-hmm. good for him and uh, he uh, so i usually read those long things you know uh when i'm uh, on the throne in the morning mm-hmm. but this one was a little long so so i saved it as okay i gotta read this later mm-hmm. and um his his um, his story was about how he finally went to an eye group and of course, you know what an eye group is, but mm-hmm. I didn't at the time. And he said, yeah, I went to the Mankind Project like years ago, and they suggested that after you do the Mankind Project, you go sit in an eye group. He says, I hadn't, and I just went, and it's like awesome. So, and it's something triggered in me. I'm like, okay, I need to look into this. This is something that resonates. And um, so I... Um, instead of doing the usual Google search on, you know, what is my kind of project was I group, and, mm-hmm. which is something I did much later. And actually you can't find much on it. <laughs> right. Right. Instead, I called the guy and I said, Hey, you know, I, well, I texted him. I said, I, uh, I sent him a Facebook message and said, Hey, what's your number? I want to talk to you about that. And I basically, um, I said, I'm just going to, you know, ask you questions. I said, uh, first of all, you know, considering everything that I've done, um, you know, that he and I uh, had shared, I said, 
do you think this is applicable to me? Do you think I would get something out of this? And mm-hmm. he like, yep. And I said, and um, I also, I told him, I says, I also don't want you to tell me really what happens at the weekend. I want it to be a surprise. He says, good, because that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so all of that together kind of got me, put me onto the path of saying, okay, there is, um, I started realizing, and, you know, I just described my website, there is a lot of, men you know especially once they get over 40 or so I'm not, I'm not sure that's a magical age but um you know who get to a point as i did when i was in my early 40s it's like okay there's got to be more to this thing you know in my uh, between bracket sex life i mean the, I, I i expected more and um I expected more out of my sex life. I expected more out of my relationship. And I have this 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 model, you know, it's a big word, but um, so I believe that if you have a good relationship, that leads to a good sex life. And if you have a good sex life, it leads to a good relationship. So it's kind of like a, a vicious or a virtuous mm-hmm. circle where, yeah, uh, you know, this goes up. And unfortunately, most people recognize this as a virtuous circle, right? You, you, you. You get into a relationship, you get married or not. I mean, that's not the point, but, uh, you know, you, you have uh, heavy and hot sex and, you know, any time of the day, anywhere. And then after a while, it's sort of, you know, that's my story. And I, I've heard this from other men, you know, it started cooling down for me and it got to the point where, you know, it turned into, um, what I now know as let's get it over with sex. Mm. So, and this is a, this is an interesting topic because if you've been with a person uh, uh, for a long time and you've been intimate and you've, you know, having sex on a regular basis, especially when it starts out hot and heavy and then you know, keep doing it. I mean, that other person gets to be really good at, you know, getting you off they know exactly where your buttons are <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah that's what happened to me it just got into this as i'm talking about my my ex now but um yeah we got into this let's get it over with sex and so yeah i've, I've talked about that with, with other men and, and yeah that's the thing i mean that never hurt the term of course <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes let's get it over with sex turns into uh, this is not worth it. I would just, you know, go to Pornhub and do it that way. I mean, that way I'm in, in total self-control. So, uh, and then we get into this whole thing about, you know, is masturbation taking the place of, you know, being intimate and is masturbation bad for your relationship? Uh, well, yes or no. <laughs> it depends how you do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at it. Many, many questions about many things you said, and I didn't want to cut you off. So first, okay, this dude with this magical power, you know, like spooky action at a distance, right? Orgasm without touching. Um, right. <laughs> was that BS? Like, do you think he actually can do it? Right. So it's interesting you bring that up because I usually, you know, tell that it's the punchline afterwards. So, so we went through this whole training based on you know what my wife had heard about this guy who can give orgasms at a distance and uh, he won the magic powers 
<laughs> well, at least some powers. And right, right. so at one point after we've done all the training levels, mm -hmm. my wife met with her girlfriend again and says, well, thank you for putting me on this path and for telling you, for telling me the story. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what story? He just fucked me and it felt really good <laughs> because it had been so long because I kept, you know, attaching to my husband who passed away. So, and yeah, he, he did talk about Tantra, but he never studied any of it. Oh <laughs> my God. So, okay. So if I'm getting this right, you all went down this giant rabbit hole, which ended up being amazing and very fruitful because of a bullshit story. No, it wasn't a bullshit story. Okay, I mean, she okay. didn't say it. She never said that. This is something that my wife heard at the time. And okay, <clears throat> so she misheard the story or heard somewhere else. Yeah, or she yeah. interpreted it in such a way that you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is that is funny. That is great. So. <clears throat> Yeah. there's a lot of you know there, there's a lot of things around this you know like you said well this this magical power that you can learn right. i mean um i don't think it's all that magical uh, the other thing which um i want to set right is you know you remember sting and how he talked about he was interviewed many years ago about tantra and how he had these amazing six hour long sex sessions mm -hmm. that was a thing right that was all over the, the media back then. Uh, he just recently, I think it was last year, um, he confessed that that was actually a bullshit story. <laughs> That's funny. Because, yeah, of course, you know, that one is hard because it's going to be hard to find, but he did say that. He said, I would just yeah. wanted to take the Mickey out of the interview. Or she was, you know, somehow. Uh -huh. <laughs> he felt he had to say that to her yeah as a female interviewer and yeah this thing just took off and he he never took it back until you know just recently <laughs> yeah wow that's like when trolling goes too far like he probably gets hundreds of interviews and he was bored and said hey i'll say something crazy and you know maybe they'll do some diligence and fact check and they did it and uh so to segue a bit i think perhaps part of why that story stayed alive is because the topic of sex itself is so taboo that we can't talk about it. So let's say, um, Tantra itself, Tantra, Tantra, what do you call it? Tantra. Tantra. Okay. And so my understanding of it, um, and in prep, I deliberately didn't Google, right? I deliberately <laughs> didn't Google and didn't search because I think so many people out there are like me where they're like, oh, Tantra is this thing from India where they have this book called the Kama Sutra and they do this <laughs> funky sex stuff and real freaky people are into it. And, right. and that's, that's the extent of it. And oh, by the way, asking anyone else about it makes you a freak. Maybe if you have a partner who is really open-minded you might ask them about it because many people's partners will think you're a freak just by bringing up Tantra itself, right? So there's right. this kind of prison of, hey, I can't ask my partner things that I want. But uh, what, is, what is Tantra? What is Tantra? 
So, yes, funny you mentioned the Kama Sutra. So, um, this was uh, February last year. That was my last in-person event. And uh, we originally were going to, my wife and I were planning to do a presentation about the Kama Sutra because we were asked to do so. So I actually read the thing. Now, the, the, the original one, uh, first of all, it has no pictures in it. <laughs> so all <laughs> those pictures you see, all these picture books with the Kama Sutra and the position shit, they didn't have that. Oh, okay. Not even you know, not, not even wood book. carvings or anything like that. It's, I mean, there are some very short descriptions of positions, but if you read the descriptions, you're like, you have to really use your imagination to know what they're talking about. Uh -huh. And it's only maybe 10% of the book. The rest of the book and actually highly recommend the book in its original version is all about how to, it's basically a book for both men and women on how to get into an intimate relationship. And it's based on, you know, in India, uh, still today, a lot of people, you know, are, have arranged marriages. So you get to live with the person that was chosen, you know, by your, uh, by your parents. And you just have to make do. So fortunately, they created a book on how do you live with you know somebody else, and that's really what the book is about. So it's both. It's mostly geared towards men explaining you know how to you know make your your wife you know feel happy and welcome and what things you're supposed to do not supposed to do and, and only a tiny little bit of that is the sexual positions okay it's it, it's it's a very interesting book if you read it from that point of view it's actually very interesting and very eye-opening and it says a lot of things that um <clears throat> we should have a western version of that <laughs> well we do we could just read theirs yeah, but, yeah. You know, we all we all think we know what it's like to be in a relationship, first of all, and secondly, because we've practiced so much, right? In uh -huh. India, at least, uh -huh. you know, people don't date, at least not in traditional time right. anyway. They don't date. They don't spend any time with the opposite sex. I mean, they have totally segregated, you know, male-only schools, female-only schools, all that good stuff. So it's basically, you know, the first time you get to... <clears throat> You know, spend time with the opposite sex is basically on your, uh, you know, on your honeymoon. <laughs> mm. So they said, okay, let's well, just have a book for that to, to describe. And that's what the Kama Sutra is really about. Now, in the West, we think because we've been dating and, and, and you know, having premarital sex and all of the other stuff that we know what it's like, but we never talk about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we never I, I do. Mean, I think that's, I think that's spot on. So, if I understand correctly, I mean, this is this is great. This is a little history lesson for me. You have this culture that functions by arranged marriage, and mm -hmm. necessity is the mother of invention. So they recognize that hey, if you immediately get into this relationship, and you don't have any history of it, you probably don't have a clue. So don't worry, we have a manual for that. Ta-da! Right. And the Kama mm -hmm. Sutra is born. And I think in the United States, where we have the illusion is, like you mentioned, we think we know, and we don't. We're completely full of crap, and we don't admit that we're full of crap. And 
it's funny you say that because there's a book that I highly, highly recommend, but most people won't read it because of its title. And uh, it's called More Than Two, A Practical Guide to Ethical Polyamory. And what's yes, great I've is read it. Mm -hmm. they have this thing called the Relationship Bill of Rights. And mm -hmm. I see that and it's like, man, this thing alone is gold. And all these monogamous <laughs> people won't touch it, right? Like this Relationship Bill of Rights works great for any relationship mm -hmm. with other people, with one person, with four people, with yourself. And people won't read it. It's like... Um, I don't know, like, let's say the nuclear launch codes leaked publicly, but they're leaked during overnight QVC infomercials. No one's going to blow up the world because no one watches overnight QVC infomercials. No one cares. And uh, I've run into issues recommending this book multiple times because people think, ooh, polyamory. And I'm like, look, even if you're not into the poly thing, even if you're gay, straight, whatever, having a relationship bill of rights helps a ton. And it's almost like we have some uh, collective allergy. I think America is both puritanical and hypersexual at the same time, which is, it's very weird. Like all of our advertisements are about this like subtle underlying horniness but you can't show nipples on Instagram. And so it's very weird. You have these implicit themes everywhere just bombarding us, but the explicit stuff is a huge no-no. I, I suspect tons of people won't even listen to this just when they read the subject. They, they will read the subject, <laughs> like, Epi episode with Hans, okay, skipping that. That's weird, that's creepy. Ugh. Um. So I wanted to ask you then, when you say intimate relationship, uh, just so we can get on the same page, I think a lot of people hear that phrase and they think, oh, that means a relationship where you have sex, right? When people say things like, we were intimate with each other. What does intimate relationship mean to you or in the context of folks you work with? Well, there's all kinds of intimate relationships, right? I mean, you can have an intimate business relationship and, and we all know how to do that, apparently. It's, you know, I live in Silicon Valley and it's full of startups and, and ways to do that. And, and as you mentioned, we, you know, there's plenty of books on business relationships and business coaching and, you know, those types of relationships. When it gets to intimate relationships between you know, two or more people, uh, we kind of shy away. I mean, there's a few people who have written some really good books and you've just mentioned one um, that, you know, talk about that stuff, but it's, it's something you have to go out and find. I mean, we have a business school, right? Where you can learn all the things on how to create a great business. Mm -hmm. which is, you know, very much about relationships, relationship with your customers, relationships, you know, with your personnel and, uh, you know, how to manage your boss and all of that stuff, right? You know, what was it, the one-minute boss or something or the one-minute employee? One-minute manager. Yeah. <clears throat> one-minute manager, right. And then there was the 59-second employee. That's the one I was... <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, this is really old stuff. Am I dating myself? But those are all about relationships in the end. Um, but then we turn towards uh, what we typically refer to as intimate relationships, however that looks, 
And now we're like, you know, we're not teaching that. We don't have a school for intimate relationships. I mean, mm-hmm. um, if we do, then, you know, they get names like Tantra, you know, or, you know, or those kind of things. And yeah, that's, you know, people tend mm-hmm. to shy away from that. Um, and, you know, there's, there's enough people teaching Tantra as a way to, for, you know, for intimate relationships. I mean, Tantra isn't about, you know, the... Not so much about the physical aspects as more about the uh, relationship aspects, I would say, the emotional aspects, mm-hmm. the energy aspects. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a big lack. And, and I think the biggest problem is that, um, you know, in America, we, we realized that the, you know, if we've never run a business, then, you know, we can go to business school, we can even get an MBA or something mm-hmm. like that. But then when we get into a relationship with somebody, we we know how to do things. <laughs> it's like, yeah. right. I mean, you know, I, I'm from, you know, an era when I, when I was young, right before I had sex, I mean, the internet didn't exist yet, at least not the way it is currently done. And so I got all my information talking to other boys in the class who also didn't have sex. <laughs> right. I was about to say that. The blind leading the blind, right? It's right. And, and, and um, yeah, and that was actually a story that if you masturbated, you go blind. So maybe. Yeah. Or you get pun, in, pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad bombs, you, you yeah. went there. Yeah. So, uh, and I think the the current internet is is exactly the same thing. It's just like you know, it's still a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. But now they're blogging about it, and they're mm-hmm. they're writing podcasts, and they're doing mm-hmm. clubhouses, and and you know whatever. And it's it's still the problem. And <clears throat> the other thing with um, you know trying to find the information that you need in order to have a proper relationship is that the internet has now gotten so big and has so much information that whatever I think I can find a bunch of articles that totally agree with what, what I'm thinking. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm confirmation bias. Yeah. And, that's a big problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I say that algorithmic feeds are anti-travel for the mind. It's like, yes. here's what you believe. Let me give you heaping doses of that. And especially like COVID's one of the examples where um, I notice a strong weaponization of science. Like the reality is maybe, let's say I'm scared and you're not scared. So there's that just emotional thing going on. If I'm scared, you're not scared. So I'll send you seven scientific journals about mask efficacy. And you'll send me seven scientific journals saying masks are crap. And they're all from PhD scientists. And we both still hate each other. (laughs) And and I give this example all the time because it's like, look, I believe this and I can find evidence and you can believe that and you can find evidence and who cares? Yeah, and, and and that's that's true for for intimacy, even more. Uh, an additional problem is there are very few people who have PhDs uh, behind their name or a professor in front of their name, who are willing to publish uh, research on, on on intimacy. 
or on sex. There's very few. Mm. Why, why do you think that is? It's still too weird or career limiting? I think it's career limiting. It's also the way science works in the West is in order to, to be able to do a proper research study, you need money. Mm -hmm. And unlike, you know, in Europe where university funding comes from the state in the US, it comes from private institutions. Mm -hmm. And so now you have to find a, a private company that would be interested in the results of your study. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of money to prove that, you know, statins will help against uh, preventing heart attacks mm -hmm. because it lowers your uh, cholesterol. Um, but having doing research on to, you know, what you called earlier, the, the relationships agreements, I mean, you know, which of those work, which of those don't work, which company would be interested in that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mention that because I feel like most sex education we get is basic biology. That's even calling it basic is an insult to the word basic and just a laundry list of what not to do. Right. Like take this pill to not make babies, put this latex thing over your Jimmy to not make babies. And what's funny, as far as I understand in Mexico, they have less separation of church and state than we do here in the United States. They're, they're a more Catholic country. And because of all the sexual stigma, we can't talk about sex, which means we can't have good sex education. And when we can't have good sex education, they paradoxically have a higher amount of unwanted pregnancy and pregnancy out of wedlock because mm -hmm. nobody teaches them about the sex thing and people get horny and they try the sex thing. And if you have no education, well, that's where babies come from, <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and babies was, come from a uh, lack of education. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that, that was a, that was a horrible explanation, but basically if you can't teach people about how to use contraceptives, then in theory, they won't use contraceptives or they won't use them properly. Or they'll hear stories like, Oh, condoms can break. So you should wear two. That's horseshit. They break much more often if you wear two. Right. But no one says that. You know, or if you check online, some idiot in a forum will say something and then you'll think, okay, I guess this is what I should do. And you learn by experience, but when experience is creating life forms, uh, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And that, and that, that's what I was going to say. So there, you know, on the, on the intimacy and sex front, there, are, there are a lot of people talking about it, but none of them have PhD behind their names or professor in front of it. And it's like a post I saw on Facebook a couple months ago uh, where one person was asking, so what do you guys think? Should I get the vaccine or not? Right. <laughs> and she got like, you know, a million responses. That's probably why it showed up in my Facebook feed. And those were all from people who weren't qualified <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> it's like... What is this an uh, you know, opinion poll or 
right. <laughs> if everybody does it, maybe I should do it. Or if everybody says I shouldn't do it, I won't do it. I mean, that's yeah. not scientific. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah. So the other thing with um, um, sex education is the uh, law that the, the, is it the FOSTA SESTA law that, uh, or is it, is it anyway, there is a law that was originally meant to, um, against child trafficking, sex trafficking mm, okay. of mm -hmm. children, which, you know, is, is a topic we can all agree with, you know, that should be done and should be punishable and et cetera. And they were going after, <clears throat> they wanted to try to find a way to, you know, make it illegal for these, you know, dark websites to have information, mm -hmm. you know, that would help people, you know, perform this, this, this crime. So, okay, we're all in favor of that. Well, then they slipped in something, which basically means that any website that talks about sex can be, uh, you know, can be uh, prosecuted. So mm -hmm. before this law was enacted, if you're Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, mm -hmm. and you have an Instagram person who, you know, shows nipples, as you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, then, okay, you might go after this person for, you know, indecent exposure or whatever the case may be. But since we have this law, the law can now go after Facebook because they own Instagram. And so if you're using, so that makes, so, so of course, Facebook doesn't want to, you know, get a lawsuit against them because they have a lot of money. So they, they, you know, they tend to lose a lot. So they started implementing all these things where uh, things like Facebook jail, if you say the wrong words or you show the wrong pictures, they put you in Facebook jail. And um, <clears throat> this uh, one of my favorite uh, sex educators, uh, Reed Mahalko, I mean, he spent more time in Facebook jail than out of it. <laughs> And he so, says every time he, he goes into it, you know, he stays longer and longer. <clears throat> and when he tries to find a actual person to talk about, you know, why did you put me in Facebook jail? The response is, well, we have a bot that reads everything that is published on Facebook and it decides whether or not to put you in Facebook jail. And there's nothing we can do about it. So I, I guess I'm a little confused what is this law that you mentioned? Because the way I was hearing it was like, oh, this law means there's no more porn sites and there's still a bunch of porn sites. Right. Well, it could mean that, you know, there are no longer any porn sites. I mean, that's, that was one way of doing it, but it's, it's about, it's not so much about showing porn. It's about, uh, the law is written so complicated that you can make anything out of it. So, um, if you're using your web, if, if supposedly your website is being used uh, to get people together to, you know, to have sex, mm -hmm. then it's considered pandering and that's against the law, period. Oh, so basically, if I understand correctly, it's like uh, using the internet as a means of solicitation, which is right. illegal. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. It's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm with you on that, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was called it's called pandering the law. Um, well, pandering used to exist beforehand. For example, if um, 
you know, uh, somebody is, uh, let's say, a prostitute, mm -hmm. and they're in a state where that's not legal or somewhere it is. Mm -hmm. um, if you are the person who is, um, you know, you're an admin to this prostitute, mm -hmm. and you schedule, you know, their, you know, their dates, so to speak, mm -hmm. you are now pandering. So even though you're just doing, you know, things with, you know, mm -hmm. with the calendar on a website. Right. 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 So that's already pandering. And but this, this uh, sister Foster law created was basically that any website owner whose website, you know, does something that can be considered to be pandering can now the website can be made responsible. And whereas before, the website just says, hey, you know, we're not responsible yeah. for what people put put on our website. I mean, that's, you know, freedom of speech, right? So, yeah, it's that whole debate of user-generated content and is a platform a publisher or is right. it just a platform? And I think collectively our head's still pretty far up our ass that we don't know, right? We, we don't know. Right. We're not on the mm -hmm. same page. And um, yeah, so I, I guess that's uh, interesting segue because um i had a uh a discussion with a friend this was probably a year or so ago and he was mentioning something about um being against human trafficking and i was like oh yeah man i'm i'm against human trafficking too so you think we should legalize prostitution right and he was like wait what and i was like well the moment we make something illegal that's like creativity school for lawbreakers. It forces creativity, right? Because the moment we make something illegal, it's not supply and demand. The demand doesn't go away, right? This is partially why the war on drugs is such an epic failure. You know, making drugs illegal hasn't stopped drug activity. It just made drug activity more violent. But we remain committed to our stupidity. <laughs> like, right. mm -hmm. this thing yeah. we know clearly doesn't work. We're just continuing to do it and so when it comes to sex work um i think i don't know what the answer is but i think we can all agree that this thing that's illegal doesn't stop right making it illegal hasn't stopped it and every time someone gets busted that just means they get a little more creative the next time and the next time and the next time instead of putting things more out into the open. That's the, the kind of regulation argument, right? Legalize everything and regulate the hell out of it. Um, which I think, you know, it has its own drawbacks as well, but I think more dialogue is needed, frankly. And I think when it comes to sex, especially we're so collectively clueless, right? We're so collectively mm -hmm. clueless. I think, I think that's part of, why, why we're here and um, what's weird. And I think this is changing, right? I think this is actually changing partially due to the ease of online commerce, but for a good chunk of the internet history, you know, these people who were porn stars who wouldn't be invited to the Oscars and the golden globes, but if they're on the street, most men in America would know exactly who they are. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's a collective shadow, right? You, you know, and, and you look at, um, I had a friend who was hiring a, 
basically uh, software developers to manage uh, traffic, essentially, right? Because before AWS has corrected a lot of this, but you, know, you used to have to buy a server. And then if you wanted more traffic, you'd have to buy more servers. They didn't have all this scalability. And as far as I understand, when their company was growing a lot, uh, some of the people he was hiring were from the porn industry because he said their traffic's always high, <laughs> right? Right. You're not talking about the subject matter, just like, hey, the traffic going to our servers, ours is peak traffic all the time, <laughs> right? Because no one talks about it. No one says, okay, we're all going to get on at this time or all get on at that time. It's all in the shadows all the time. So and I think that's I, dangerous. I'm hearing you saying, and I've heard this a lot, that you uh, know, it's, it's our puritanical approach which leads to, you know, criminalizing such education and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to try a different theory on you. My theory okay. is that um, <clears throat> if everybody would be happy with the way they're having sex, there wouldn't be any of these, you know, restrictions on it. So what has happened is we have all these puritanical or whatever you want to call it, um, restrictions and laws and, and, and criminalization mm -hmm. because people are not having sex the right way. It's not happy. It's not, a, it's not a good thing. And an example, I was, um, this last Friday's episode of Bill Maher, there was mm -hmm. a, um, they were doing a political discussion. There was a, a lady on there. She is a, a political scientist. I think mm -hmm. that's the title they gave her. And I don't know, at some point, um, they were asking about COVID and, and, you know, pros and cons and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> she said one of the good things that came out of COVID for her and her relationship was, you know, she at least COVID and the staying at home and you know, being worried about everything, you know, gave me the right to, you know, to tell my husband that, you know, it wasn't okay to have sex. She says, I was such a relief that I didn't have to deal with his shit. So <laughs> what I'm hearing saying, so this lady apparently, you know, never had any good sex or at least she wasn't having any good sex that she was more than willing to take any excuse like covid which is completely unrelated and uh use that to say okay no more sex yeah yeah that's that's nuts well and i guess to to clarify what i was saying before i think puritanical probably isn't the best word and and i could say dogmatic um, so for example, what I was taught growing up, which is not in the legal system, but it was in some sense, my legal system, because it was religious rules was, uh, if you masturbate, that is a mortal sin. And the way they mm -hmm. describe mortal sin to us was a scar on your soul. And, and they give this image of like, Hey, like you have a, a dartboard, right? And yeah, you throw the darts into the dartboard and you take the darts out and it's reusable. But every time you do that, there's a hole in it, you know, and eventually you get this old shitty dartboard that's eaten away. And um, that is told to children 
everywhere, <laughs> right? And uh, by authority figures that you trust as much as you trust a police officer. So in, in that sense, it's not like law in the legal system, but you know, I know myself and tons of other people where what they were taught was the rules um, like facilitates all kinds of toxic behavior patterns. And uh, I think that's related to the legal system, right? Like if you're a 12 year old who gets taught that like, if you have sex, you're going to hell and you believe that in every ounce of your being and you act as a good boy and then you get elected to some sort of public office, you'll find a way in a secular manner to manifest that, that belief. Um, I don't know if that was a lot of like hoops to jump through, but I mean, here, here's another unrelated non, non-sex example, right? Is we say we don't have an official religion in our country, but most federal holidays are Christian, mm-hmm. right? The Muslims aren't getting time off for Ramadan. Um, <laughs> you know, that doesn't make their holiday any less valid. It's just mm-hmm. this, this thing we've done and it's, um, I don't have an answer for it, right? It's just like, hey, this shit's broken and we need to talk more, which is part of why we're here. Yes, and, and I think religion, we can call it that. I mean, yeah, it, it uh, so there's good things and bad things about religion. And, and you know, yes. a, lot, a lot we focus on, on, on the bad things of religion because, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to complain. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I, I think the original idea about religion was to, to create community have a, a group of people that you know help each other are there for each other to protect each other from the others um make some rules on on you know how you how you live together how you take care of each other and all the stuff like that so i think that made a lot of sense back in you know when we were little villages or you know little countries or groups of people mm-hmm. and you know there was all this threat of others coming in so a lot of religions sort of came out of that, that, that period. And, and yeah, you can only, you know, live in our community, be part of us. If you have our religion, right? Probably didn't even have a word for the thing, but that's what they, they called it. And that's why a lot of religions are, you know, it's either us or them. And if them are not from our religion, then we're Mm -hmm. against them because, and that might've made sense in the beginning um i don't think it makes any sense anymore i mean we're we're a global community now we have access to all kinds of stuff um but we still have you know like your example we still have these these religious things in there that uh uh, there's even the uh, you know the alcohol anonymous um you know when you go in for your sobriety things that's a completely religious, a Christian religious yeah. process that they're having. And uh, so I don't know how, how that works. If you're, a, you know, if you're a, a Muslim and you have a drinking problem, can you go to AA? That's a great question. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I have to ask some of this. Like that, that's, a, that's an amazing question. Well, so I guess after hearing that, um, and man, this is a, a place where I did not think we would be going, but I'm like, let's, let's go, let's, let's go there. Um, and there's a, there's a great book called seeing like a state by, uh, I think his name is James Scott. And he talks about this, this idea that, uh, I replace state with large organization cause it, it just mm-hmm. makes it easier for me to grok. But, um, 
this idea of like quantifying and making metrics for everything and you lose sight of things like a classic example is a church community where maybe you have older people providing childcare for free or you provide uh, rich families give hand-me-down clothes to poor families and when you don't have the church and it's just the government it's like okay we'll give you a stipend for childcare, or, or we'll give you some money to go buy a jacket instead of just giving a jacket so you know that begs the question of as far as I understand, we have more atheism and agnosticism than ever, at least in the United States on a, I would say on probably a percentage and absolute basis. Um, so how do we get the benefits, the, the communitas, right, from religion while maybe distancing ourselves from some of the dogma that no longer remains useful? Or like, just how, how do you do it for yourself? Like, how do you get, like, do you have a religion? Or yeah, it's interesting to ask that question. So we, we went from 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 tantra to religion, which <laughs> we'll get back, I think. But um, actually, I just mentioned this uh, last week in another interview. But um, when I grew up in the Netherlands, which was at the time mostly Protestants, uh, except for the south and Netherlands, where they were mostly Catholics, but you were either one or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, atheism wasn't a thing back then and talk about you know the previous century obviously um, at some point I I I, uh, it, I noticed that I was the only one in my classroom that wasn't baptized so mm, I asked my okay. parents about that and I right. said okay so why wasn't I baptized and they said well um, if you're baptized then you know you're either baptized as a you know, as a Catholic or a Protestant, um, and we wanted you to make your own choice. Mm, okay. Like, wow, that's really, I guess my parents were very, uh, you know, advanced thinkers in that sense, and, you know, they yeah. have gone through a lot of shit during the World War II and stuff. So after that, they came out saying, okay, there's this, uh, there's a new normal here, and, you know, we have to, we have to question everything. My, 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 Mm -hmm. Especially my my father was very much like you know you have to question everything. If somebody says, "Well, this is how it's supposed to be," you're entitled to ask why. Mm. And, and he even applied that to himself. So, um, and I sometimes have people you know they they tell me something and then I say why and you know sometimes they get upset because I'm asking <laughs> why. I, I understand. Too much. Right. And of course, you know, you have the, the little annoying kids, right? That will just keep asking why, 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 why? And you're like, because I say so and then shut up. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm a dad and I raised two children. So, you know, I, I, sometimes I might have said that <laughs> over recording yeah. this. I, I never said that. <laughs> um, so it's, it's good to question things, but then you have mm -hmm. to do it in an intelligent manner. And that's the other thing that I have. Um, Religion is almost like, okay, for those of us who don't want to think too much, here's the book on how to do things. If you, and it, it works. If you are truly, you know, you, you read the book on how to be, the, be a good Christian. Yeah. If, if you do it according to that book, you're going to be a really good person. Mm. If you can do it that way. Now, here comes to the problem that, you know, for some people, it doesn't work. So 
then you need to be coming, you know, and you say, well, I'm going to force myself, you know, like the, uh, like the gay bashers, you know, these are the people who religiously will say, you know, being gay, you know, having sex with people, you know, of the same gender is, is wrong. It's against the law or should be against the law and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, we all hear the stories about, you know, in the end, we find out that what they're really doing is finding their own urge, their natural urge to have sex with people of the same gender. And so they just make it a law to force themselves you know, to not do that. Um, yeah, and, that, and I think that, that that's really sorry. Cause, um, so when you get to a place where you're saying, um, okay, let's just, you know, define the rules ourselves, then it becomes more difficult and more interesting. And this is what I like about polyamory. So we have all these rules on how to be, you know, with two people, uh, supposedly, you know, of the opposite gender. And then you know, now you have more than two. Okay, now, now you have to talk about everything. Right. And that eventually will create a better set of what you refer to as relationship rules. And that includes uh, sexuality too. Um, if you listen to how properly trained people in the BDSM world uh, treat each other, that's so much better than, you know, the average. Uh, I think that's sex. ruffling a lot of feathers. <laughs> uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's just, uh, well, so I guess with that, uh, could, could you give me some examples? I mean, I have some of my own, but I think what, what I'm trying to do is I think this is pretty far out for a number of listeners and if I'm going too far, just stop me. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't, it. I don't think it's too far. <laughs> I, I want to go far, but I also want to make it, um, relatable. So, so for example, um, I guess one one anecdote myself from my interactions with the, the the kink community is this idea of safe porting, right? So a simple non-sexual way to describe safe porting is, let's say I'm at home and you walk in the door and you say, man, Drew, my day sucked. What many people would ask is just, oh, tell me about the suckiness, right? Tell me how horrible your day was. And safe porting would instead say, would you like to talk about it? And if you say no, I shut up. That's it. <laughs> End of story. Right. And, and you could see how that relates to a lot of sexual contexts as well, where you basically create a system of hearing yes or no. And you can even create proxies for what represents yes or no, this whole idea of safe word. But all of that comes from this shared exploration, this willingness to even explore, the willingness to even have a conversation, to even be willing to try and uh, so I guess to, I, I guess a, a quick question, which I wasn't hearing the answer to was, do, uh, do you have a religion? I do not know. Okay. Okay. Cause I think some people say sex is the ultimate religious experience. So that brings <laughs> us back to the Tantra Ooh. a bit. So in some sense you're a priest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't have a, I, I don't have an official religion, I guess. I mean, I do believe in, uh, you know, there is more to, to our physical being. There's more than, mm -hmm. than 
just this physical earth that we're in. Uh, I do believe, you know, once we we die, you know, there is more to it than that, just that. Mm. So right. yeah, if that's a religion, sure. Um, then I'm religious. I don't know what it's called, though. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Um, I also believe that, um, you know, the things that I believe in are considered to be religion. I do believe that uh, we're all being given... I, I believe, you know, we're, 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 we're spiritual beings that inhabit the physical body, you know, for a certain amount of time, depending, you know, how we take care of it and, you know, and our DNA and all that stuff. Um, the body has a lot of um, opportunity for, for, for pleasure building. And sure, we can take our mind, our spirit, if you like, and say, okay, we're not going to do this. We're not going to eat too much. And we're not going to have sex with anybody that we're not married to. And we're only going to have sex, you know, in the mission position, missionary position. And we're not going to drink alcohol. And we're not, you know, it's, and it used to be the joke that um, you don't live longer that way, doing all these things or not doing all of these things. So it's not that you live longer, it just feels longer. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. That's funny. So it's kind of an old joke, but it's... So I'm not saying, you know, be a hedonist, I mean, and just live right. life to the fullest and all of that stuff. Um, but I do say, don't keep yourself from enjoying certain things, as long as it's mm -hmm. done in a way that's that's compatible. So that's what I do. I mean, if, if it's compatible with you know my my spirit, my integrity, and mm -hmm. those of the others that I involve in this, then uh, you know I feel good doing that. Mm. So that that's interesting because. Uh it circles back to something I wanted to talk about earlier. And you could say maybe in a religious sense, this is the idea of sin, but um, there's this idea that, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just share my, my personal story. So for a long time, uh, the scariest thing sex wise uh, had nothing to do with sex at all. It was talking about sex, right? This idea of, uh, I have some sort of desire, but there's no way I can share that. Like, I'm not even allowed to say it, let alone act on it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I guess if, if what I was hearing you say, um, if, if I was understanding it correctly, um, you weren't saying like, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of like, uh, martial arts for lack of a better term, like, uh, martial artist master knows all the moves, but rarely fights. Um, so th that's probably a shitty metaphor, like, oh, you know all the sex moves and then never get laid. Yeah, you don't have but, sex. Uh, yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there is absolutely something noble about getting in touch with and developing a self-understanding of your own desire. Mm -hmm. And that seems much healthier than just pretending desire doesn't exist, for, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, it's my personal example. I mean, um, I had my first sex when I was 17. Um, 
and then I had sex with that same person for another 20, 30 years before I ever had sex with anybody else. Um, and that, you know, at the time felt right that at some point it didn't anymore. So I got to a point where I had to, you know, figure out what is it that, that I want, what is it that I like. And, you know, it definitely wasn't, let's get it over with sex. I mean, that wasn't mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, it was sort of a brief moment of orgasm and then I was done, right? Mm -hmm. And so was she, so she go back to whatever she was doing. Um, and I sort of said to myself, well, this is not what I want it to be. And there's this, um, it's a couple of months ago, but yeah, more than a month ago, I uh, taught a workshop together with Galen Foss on you know, how to be a sexual, sexually authentic man. And it's, it's now an online uh, Zoom workshop. And we did, we did one uh, two years ago uh, in person. Um, and the whole struggle there is to, and that's what the workshop's all about, is for, for and it's, in this case, it's for men only, but uh, I'm sure it would work for women too, but it's taught by men. So you don't want a man teaching this to women, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and he, you know, he, he runs a workshop with you know this intention where you go into yourself and trying to figure out what it is that you want and be able to at least express that to yourself now whether you act on that or not that's that's a second uh, you know that, that that's the second step so to speak mm -hmm. but it's important to know what you want out of life and it's yeah and and sex is part of life so you need to you know it's important to know what you want out of sex right now how you go about you know, getting your needs filled. Okay, well, that's 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 a different step, and should probably be yeah. it's, it should be a different workshop. <laughs> um, and I find it fascinating when there there's this um, book that I highly recommend. It's called A Billion Wicked Thoughts, billion with okay. a B. It's actually it's it's a research paper, but they've written it such that it's very entertaining to read. And it's a book now, not just a research paper. And they basically looked at all the billions and billions of uh, uh, visits to sites like Pornhub and you know X videos, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and they basically mapped out you know what human sexuality looks like. And my conclusion from reading the book was, okay, well, it depends. <laughs> right, right. For you, it's going to be different than for me, and that's. And that's fine. So that also means, you know, you shouldn't regulate it. You shouldn't regulate that sex has to be this way, right? I mean, um, so the whole notion of, you know, calling something kinky because it is a missionary position, you know, with the person you're married with, if anything, you know, other than that is your definition of kink, then, okay, then, you know, there are a lot of kinky people in the world, <laughs> pretty much everybody. Right, right. And, and it's fascinating, there's this website called FetLife. I don't know if you've heard about that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and supposedly it's about, you know, fetish life. I think that's what it's an abbreviation for. But it's very interesting to look to see what people, you know, are looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how creative people are in this area if you let them be. And... Mm -hmm. So sexuality and creativity go hand in hand. 
And we all know about, you know, famous artists also being very sexually active, <laughs> right? And all these stories. Yeah. Even a person like Einstein, yeah, very creative mind. Yeah, there's all kinds of stories about his sex life. So um, apparently those things go hand in hand. So it's not a part of yourself that you can just shut off and then you still be a, uh, you know, be a whole person without your sex life. You know, you're not living a true life. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you're you're serving me up here because I wanted to ask, like, how can we develop a healthy sexual relationship between ourselves and others? And I guess part of what I was hearing is like, hey, step one, figure out what you want. Right, get in mm -hmm. touch with yourself. Um, does that sound right, or do you, do you have any other, uh, you know, tips, tricks, or recommendations for folks? Like, we we've talked a lot about like maybe start with the tantra thing and and some baggage and how the world is, but how do we be better, right? How how do we create mm -hmm. a healthy sexual relationship? Yes, I'm. The first step indeed is. Uh, go deeper in yourself and there's all kinds of techniques you can use uh, some of them look like meditation and, you know some of them are just you know uh, get in touch with yourself and saying okay what do I want out of my sex life and, and be honest about that and you know, try not to filter it with well you know I really shouldn't be doing that or you know I shouldn't want that even you know, just trying to get rid of that that that's a really actually the hardest step and saying, okay, this is who I am. This is what I like. And um, once you've done that step, the next step is so much easier <laughs> because then it's just finding, you know, if your, you know, sexuality is defined as, you know, you have to do this with other people because, you know, you might just decide that, you know, you can just do solo sex and, and that's fine. That's great. Um, so you can do that then, you know, I guess you're done after step one. <laughs> um, if, however, it's it's more than solo sex, then you have to find uh, people who, you know, are compatible with that. Either like the same thing or like the opposite thing, so you can do these two things together, and you know, whether it's with one other person or a bunch of other people. Um, Tell you an interesting story. This is this is actually a story from from Galen Foose, you know, the one that I was co-teaching with on the being a sexual authentic man. So um, his story, and he's written about this in books and stuff. So I'm not telling anything, you know, secret. But mm -hmm. uh, so he, you know, he got married. You know, the traditional way had you know they had two kids with his wife, uh, two sons, I believe, and. Um, but he was always into BDSM. Okay. So, and that was something that was totally not discussable. I, I think he couldn't talk about it. And maybe the one time he did sort of stumble around it, you know, his wife shut him down and said, okay, yeah, you know, what, what's this nonsense? So he decided to just, you know, do it anyway. So he figured out this is what he wanted. He found other people to do this with. And so we had this whole correspondence and activities and stuff that, you know, his wife didn't know anything about mm -hmm. until she found out. Uh oh, right. 
because they were running a business together. They had one business computer. This is a while ago, okay? They only had one computer. And so she saw all this stuff. And so she went ballistic. Mm-hmm. Nuclear, I think, is the... Uh, uh, she Anyway, so they, they got a divorce. She got everything. She got the kids. She got the French. She got the church. She got the business. She got the house. He was left with absolutely nothing. No friends. He had one friend left. Mm-hmm. A guy who said, Galen, I don't know what's going on here, but you're my friend. You can go sleep on my couch and, you know, go figure it out. And he did. He figured it out. And he's now, um, he went back to school. He did a PhD in sexuality. He's now a renowned uh, therapist for uh, for people with, you know, kink-oriented sexual uh, desires, so to speak. He you know, he goes all around the world, leading workshops. I mean, he's, you know, he's Mr. Kink. <laughs> Got it. He knows, he knows who he is now. So he created right. a better life for himself by just, you know, it was a really big, you know, value to walk through. But uh, once he got out of that, he was so much better than, than he was before. Because he was honest with, you know, what it is he wanted out of his life. And they've created all this, all this creativity that, you know, that uh, he's still enjoying today. He's in his early seventies now, I think. But yeah, yeah, that that's a powerful story. I guess what I think, you know, after hearing it is, I think there's so many people with a similar story, um, similar in the sense of they're in some sort of relationship, and they want something to be different. And for some reason or a multitude of reasons, they feel stuck, they feel trapped. And despite feeling stuck, uh, at some point the urge or urges become so strong that they act on them anyway, which then often destroys the relationship completely. And my understanding of, uh, let's say relationships in France, for example, is that basically for lack of a better term, uh, infidelity there is more like a misdemeanor, whereas here it's more like a felony. In, in the sense of uh, it just lo- it's just viewed as a as a lesser sin, so to speak. So I guess the question is, let's say you're a person, you know, in a relationship and you're unhappy or maybe you're even happy and you just want something to be different. How do you navigate that or what are something some things people could do? Like, how do you approach your partner? Uh, I think a lot of people are afraid of just being viewed as a freak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think speaking from experience too, I mean, I think the the person you're most afraid of of calling you a freak is yourself. Oh, oh, that's, that's deep. The person you're most afraid of calling you a freak is yourself. Yeah. Well, and I guess the, there's the flip side, which is, you have people that identify as freaky and they get off on that. Like I'm a freak. Um, and then, and, and they, they like that identification. Um, so, okay. So let's say you, until you tell them they're not really freaky and then they're like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, right. Right. For them. It's, it's the opposite. It's, it's like, uh, their version of freaky is passe <laughs> and then they crush. Yeah. Them. So uh, freaky is, I think not the right, it, 
I think the this to me also the realization that I'm different than I thought I was mm-hmm. is the main is mm-hmm. the is, you know is the main trigger and or the main mm-hmm. thing to to be afraid of. Yeah. And yeah, that's you know, my case has come from a lot of expectations that you know were put onto myself. Some of those, you know, I, I put onto myself, but then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, why did I think I wanted to 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 achieve that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I can blame culture, I can blame my dad. I mean, I can always find somebody to blame, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh in the end, yeah, it's so once I let go of okay, this is who I thought I was or wanted to be and I no longer have that. Uh, yeah, that's scary. Mm-hmm. So I guess in some sense, it's this self-knowledge or knowing. Um, so you mentioned you you did this workshop. Are there other resources or recommendations or books that you have for people? Like, hey, maybe some of this conversation has resonated and they want to go do something or they want to go talk to someone. Um, where, you know, where could or should they go? Yeah, it's, it's, it's to me it's a combination, right? It's 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 about sexuality, and it's also about relationship. To me, those two are intertwined because the mm-hmm. either vicious or virtuous cycle. Um, I mean, there are now that you know things are going back to somewhat normal. I mean, some of the uh, tantra schools are opening up again, and you know, doing starting their workshops. Um, so that's definitely something. There are there there are, there are the festivals. Some of them actually uh, cater to you know, to beginners, so to speak, where you can just go and 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 just sample a little bit what that's all about. I mean, there's uh, well, there's the California Tantra Festival. There's uh, something called Cascadia. Uh, there is the won't be this year, but hopefully again next year. There's Oregon Tantra Festival. There's a bunch of festivals. There's also one in Boston that probably is going to come back in. Um, those are all good places to kind of learn more. Um, if that's too edgy, because you, you're all about people who are talking about this as if it's normal, which it is. <laughs> but um, I think it's I think might- it's important that you said that, like. Uh- People think it's weird, and I love this idea that it's only weird if you make it weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's this this whole thing around right, uh, um, masturbation. I mean, we used to think, okay, we give you hairy palms or or make go blind, right? Mm-hmm. But now it's uh, well, we don't say that anymore because it's um, well, we know that's silly, and nobody would believe that anymore. Mm-hmm. But we make it something else now. Masturbation is something that that leads to erectile dysfunction. I've heard it leads to, which is bad, right? And um, it it leads to uh, it ruins your relationship with real people. And there's all these things now. So it used to be simple, you know, do I get hair on my palms? Not yet. Okay, I can keep going. But now they talk about all this other stuff. <laughs> Right, right. And, but it's still the same thing. It's masturbation is bad. And like, okay, why? if it's bad, then why does it feel so good? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, so I guess um, uh, a third route or 
what I call is healthy, for lack of a better word, is um, instead of an all or nothing approach, like mm-hmm. what is what does healthy masturbation mean or look like? And and I guess that's with the the, the caveat, so to speak, is I think there's um, you could say there's a, a some sort of relationship between porn and masturbation. Uh, like they can they can exist independently, but they also um, relate, right? Where as, as far as I've heard, um, not necessarily as a rebuttal, but this idea of masturbation causes erectile dysfunction is just based on my understanding of of neuroscience is that excessive porn viewing, which who knows what excessive means, right? But excessive can lead to uh, desensitization, which then um, basically is its own form of erectile dysfunction where you have these like 17 year old or 20 year old kids getting Viagra prescriptions from the doctor because their junk doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, maybe it's because they're not, they're not exercising. They're just, you know, sitting in front of their iPad, but I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, erectile dysfunction is a whole topic by itself. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I haven't heard about 17 year olds, but I've heard of, you know, 25 year olds or 30 year olds having that, mm-hmm. that, that same problem. I'm like, I'm 67. I don't have any problems. So it's not right. an age thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I think masturbation is, it, it's actually, you know, we talked about step one on, on, uh, you know, how you, how do you improve your sex life, so to speak? And, and one of the things is trying to figure out, you know, what what you would like or what you do like. Uh, one good way to do that is, yeah, just you know, type in the scenario into the, the Pornhub search engine and and watch something. It gets you turned on. Okay, maybe that's a good thing to do, right? Or you, may, you might want to read about it. Some people works better if they read things rather than you know see it actually so whatever whatever works for you best yeah that's a good way to try that and you look at that and you go "Ooh, never again and okay that was a few and you're like hmm okay i'll watch another one now you you know you get an idea of something that you know has your interest now i'm not saying you know watch pornhub and then go do it in real life <laughs> but that's another step right first you need to figure out you know what it is you like and that's what i think you know, the, the, the porn sites are good for it. Um, and if you get enough satisfaction from just watching it and, you know, getting off on that, then fine. If you're saying, well, I actually would like to do that in person. Well, now it's a whole new step. And again, you have to find uh, people that you can do this with, that, you know, are fully in consent with, with what it is that you're going to be doing. And you have to have a whole presentation on, on, um, on safety. I'm going to share one story. Was, there was uh, one um, client of my wife and she was married. Um, she has kids. And at one point, 15 years ago, her husband, who's a minister, uh, came to her and says, listen, I been reading up on this and I'm asexual. 
okay. He says, and that explains why we're not having any sex anymore. Or when we do, mm -hmm. I'm not really into it. I'm an asexual. So she looked up and she says, okay, that's a thing. So anyway, so that's when they were living somewhere in the, you know, in the middle of the country, they moved here to the Bay area. And, um, well, eventually, you know, they got a divorce for other reasons, I guess. And, um, as soon as they were divorced, he showed up with a boyfriend. Oh, wow. He had been, you know, gay all this time, but right. because of his, his job being a minister of church and because of, you know, what society had taught him, he thought he had to go marry a woman, have children and do this thing. But then, right. you know, he, he never really was into having sex with women mm -hmm. and he was into sex with men. And, but he, he did that prior to his divorce, I don't know. Um, I can only hope he did, <laughs> but okay, that's, that's me talking. Um, yeah, so this is an example of somebody who wasn't honest with what he was doing and, and, and or who he was and what he wanted. And it mm -hmm. creates a lot of pain also for her, cause she hadn't had any, you know, she was like, you know, monogamous. So she hadn't had sex with, you know, with anybody in those 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, not even with herself. And so when this, you know, when she got her divorce, she basically went wild, you know, to catch up. Right? <laughs> right, to catch up, yes. And so the first thing, you know, we talked to her about was, okay, so, you know, there is, you know, diseases you can get and there's protection. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, and it's not just taking the pill, but it's, you know, because she knew about that one. Uh -huh. But yeah, and she's like, what? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a whole new world. Um, yeah. And, and, and anyway, so and and so that's what I said about the second step. First, you find out what it is you really want, and then the second step is you know how to to get that in a safe and consensual way. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess what's what's interesting to kind of come full circle, uh, no pun intended, but uh, this idea of let's get it over with sex in some sense, uh, there's this mental model of like inverting, or if you don't know what you want, you know, talk about what you don't want and turn it upside down. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if someone might not know what they want, they're probably in a situation where they have a good idea of what they don't want or don't like, at least that they're not mm -hmm. lying to themselves. So if you're in this situation of let's get it over with sex, you know, that's a, probably a strong indicator of, hey, I should probably try something different or, hey, something is up here. Yeah, well, there's, there's another point to it, too, right? I mean, I heard the story from uh, somebody and uh, her uh, now ex was, you know, accused of excessive porn usage. And the only thing he ever watched was, you know, teen sex. And of course, you know, she, she is not a teen anymore. <laughs> right. So right. he basically, you know, couldn't get it up for her because she was, she didn't look like a teen. Um, but she was a very sexual lady. I mean, so, and so when, after they got a divorce, she got herself 18. <laughs> she <laughs> had this 22 year old, she's in her early fifties, I would say. 
And yeah, so her her first boyfriend after her divorce was was a twenty two year old guy. Yeah, very mature of his age. I mean, I, I've met him, so um, but yeah, <laughs> not something you would think. So so I don't know if she was taking revenge or whatever she was doing. But the the real problem, she, you know, we talked about with her later on. The real problem in her marriage was that. Um, Her husband got stuck in this thing like you know because when they were you know first dating she was a teen <laughs> well right 18 or whatever and and he just got stuck in that and of course you know both he and her got older and mm-hmm. he just got stuck doing teens yeah. so that's the only thing he he could get off on so that meant there was also a lack of of, of skill on his side on on, on okay so what besides in and out a few times, I mean, what else can you do? And this is what the Neo-Tantra really teaches you is, um, you know, it, it's more than just in and out. I mean, the average in and out, hey, kitty. Yeah, that's a, that's a cat that's uh, <laughs> in with the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep so it off. The cat just showed up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the... Um, so there's also a lack of knowledge on how to, you know, how to have sex. So there right. is something to be said for, you know, learning the, the basics, the what else can you do besides in and out. And again, you know, Pornhub and those sites are not good teaching for that because they usually just, you know, cut right to the end. Um, there's a lot to be learned there, a lot to be practiced, a lot to be, to be tried. And so the thing that, 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 you know, Sting did is saying, okay, well, this is sex that can last for six hours. I mean, when he said it, it wasn't true, but it is true in general about Tantra. I mean, maybe not six hours, but, you know, at least an hour or at least two hours. And you know, that's, that's how I have sex these days. Yeah. I take my time. Um, quickies are great, but. You know, I prefer to take my time because then it allows, you know, both sides to, you know, to have a good time. Um, the average intercourse in the U.S. lasts two minutes. Who's tracking two minutes. stats? That's what I want to know. We can find those. We just search for them. It'll, yeah. you know, it'll yeah. show up. Yeah. It's it's two minutes. That's the average mean, right? So, so, so mine is more like an hour. So, in order to get it to a two minutes average, how many people do we need to be less than two minutes to make up that average, right? Right. Just do the math. It's like it's when I first heard that, it was astonishing. Actually, I heard the stat the first time at one of my uh, uh, tantra educator trainings. It, it, it's it's incredibly sad to think that that's you know what people you know, not just men but people in general think sex is so let's and get two minutes of inner, in and out on average and then yeah. yeah it gets into you know let's get it over with because it is not pleasurable for for you know for, for both parties so to get back to that so we can make sex pleasurable for everybody involved everybody gets out of it what they want to get out of it makes it pleasurable then there's going to be less need to criminalize it and, and 
make it weird and all that kind of stuff. And it makes it more discussable. And, you know, nobody wants to sit around and going, oh, I had such bad sex with my husband last night. I mean, no. <laughs> right. They do want to talk about how great it was. Right. But of course, it has to be great in order to be to, to be talked about. So, so that's what we need to go to. Makes, to a makes world sex where... great again. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we'll have hats that say that. <laughs> okay. Well, un unless uh, you have anything else you'd love to share or anything else that's alive for you right now, um, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, I think we, uh, I really appreciate the, the questions. And, uh, and we went into a few side roads like religion yeah. and stuff, yeah. but we did get back to the topic. So, uh, much appreciated that and so for folks who are listening uh where should they go to find you and your work or more information so i've started a website uh, a while ago and i haven't spent a lot of time on it yet but maybe if you hear this uh, podcast sometime in the future there'll be more information my website is hans h-a-n-s on sex o-n-s-e-x hans on sex.com um it's basically a site for men and those who like men to find out it's, it's a bunch of resources that I've curated of those things that I have done that work for me that I just want to share with the rest of the world. It's got everything from you know, list of vitamins and supplements I take to uh, your favorite Drew on how coffee is actually good for you. <laughs> <laughs> as well as uh, how men can have articles on how men can have multiple orgasms, you know, within the hour and, you know, right after each other and all that, all the, all the good stuff in between. So do check it out and hopefully I'll, uh, I'll have time to add more information to it. Awesome. Thank you. Oz writes a weekly newsletter that examines personal finance from a psychological lens. He covers mental models, alternative investing, and different ways to think about money. Reading Oz's newsletter will help you mine your money. Join his newsletter at ozchen.com. Again, that's my friend Oz's newsletter, who was a former guest on the podcast. And Oz is one of the best damn thinkers that I know. Whether that came out in the episode or you find it on his website, he has serious wisdom. Don't knock it. I hope you all enjoyed that. One quick thing in closing. Stegdrew.com slash juicy. Stegdrew, just like the show, dot com slash juicy. You can sign up for my weekly musings there on all things like we spoke about in this episode and other assorted weirdness. Just drop in your email, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Thank you.